Hello everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 670, recorded today on Wednesday the 26th of May. There are signs that we might actually be getting some summer in the UK. I can see sun. Look, I even opened the window. Um, but it's it's been shocking so far this year. I want to get outside and wear shorts and, you know, do, do healthy things. Uh, but um, somewhat incompatible with the topic of the show, which is uh, music production, studio work, electronic music... Uh, software, synthesizers, all that kind of stuff. That's what we're going to be talking about uh, for the next uh, hour or so. We've got uh, uh, some great guests for you this week. And also I want to say hello to our friends over in YouTube, uh, on IRC and also in Discord. Uh, I'm actually streaming today uh, live to the Discord stage. Um, it's a test. I just want to see if it works. Mm -hmm. Nobody's listening at the moment, but I didn't promote it. So if you if you do want to flip to the audio-only version, if you go over to our Discord, which I think is this, there is the Sonic Talk live audio feed, which will... Um, be working although if you're watching the recorded version of this it's all completely pointless i uh, also want to say uh thank you to uh our patreoners and if you're interested in supporting us uh patreon.com slash sonic state be posting ad free versions of some of the stuff as well as it, lots of exclusive video exclusive sounds that kind of thing just head over and support us much welcome uh, very much appreciated, so uh, feel free. Very affordable, less than a cup of coffee, in depending where you are in the world. Um, um, so, yes, thank you very much, everybody. Also, uh, there was another button I was going to press, which was... What happens if I press this one? Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, this one. Uh, I'm trying, Whoa. because uh, Wagyu is very kind. One of the, There are several listeners on YouTube who are posting super stickers and super... Uh, comments and I wanted a way of throwing something up on screen and the last one that came in was Wagyu uh, from last week so thanks mate um, and if anybody else does it you'll get one of those if it works I'm still ironing out the kinks but I felt it was only fair rather than me just mention it so cheers everybody anyway let's say hello to our guests we have a fulsome panel and uh, we'll start over there with uh, Jamie Liddell uh, singer producer songwriter sonic experimenter podcaster in fact there is uh, his podcast over at uh, uh, hanging out with uh, audio files. Last one is Alessandro Cortini. Uh, how are you, Jamie? You good? I'm good, man. And I just I wanted to say, like, check it out. I mean, it's yeah, oh, you're in the shorts. Look, oh. yeah, it's shorts because in in USA, I'm currently in Ohio. Um, you know, I'm away from home. I mean, uh, as you can probably tell, but it's it's blazing out here. I've, wow. I've actually got sort of yeah, I've got a bit of one of those backs you know when you've had too much sun and it's all a bit chafy oh that sounds like, I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to hear that i'm not going to show like, you that no that's fine <laughs> when, it, when it gets so when it gets so hot that you, the backs of your knees sweat that's the one that i don't like that's where i find yeah, that's when i know <laughs> yeah, it's too hot yeah. they're not you know, supposed to you have a, no you get your dog around to sort of lick that off Oh no, I haven't got one. I haven't got a dog. I'm not going to get a dog. Yeah. So why did you? Why do you want a dog, sir? Well, I wanted to lick the back of my knees in the summer. Are you familiar with knee sweat? I'm not. I don't think I'm going for that. I'm not. I'm not going for that. You keep your perversions to yourself. This is a family show. Family show. Oh look, Rocky's just done a superstar. I'm going to see if this works. Wow. <laughs> Yay. There we go. Look, Rocky, thank you very much. Rocky67, very much appreciated. Anyway, lovely to have you, oh, Jamie. Yeah. Uh, and we'll hopefully uh, we'll be hearing a lot more from you as well. And we also have Mr. Yeah, Matt Hodson, a.k.a. Maths, with two Ts. Uh, producer, educator, live streamer, all of those things. They're in his modular yeah. cave. How are you, Matt? 
I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really good actually. Yeah, um, I've just spent the past couple of weeks marking all my master's students' work, um, writing music, doing some pitching for TV and adverts, um, just trying to stay out of trouble, really. Same old, same old, eh? Yeah, the life of yeah. a busy, multi-talented, uh, multi-threaded musician life. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'm just, I'm still sticking to my releasing one track every month for the whole of this year, writing, recording, producing, releasing it, doing music videos, and all of that. It's a really nice project to have for for this year, and and that idea as well of putting stuff out every month as opposed to putting out an album, and then you know doing it all at one splurge, sort of like dribbling it out throughout the year it's been really good because it allows me to keep in contact with with those that keep coming back and the audience and having that connection with them and that sort of monthly conversation with them so um yeah i'm enjoying it it's a lot That's of hard good. work though. interesting in, you know, interesting as well because mm. it means that because obviously when you put out a body of work we've had this conversation before but i still find it interesting when you put out a body of work when you finish you sort of have to think how does it all fit together you know maybe you ditch a track because it's not in the same style as you developed mm. over the last whereas this way you could just do what you want or what you you know yeah. what what you seems like a good plan yeah yeah i mean the tracks are just changing um the one that i've just written today i just i made a load of drones put them into the bitbox sampler here and um and and just was starting them and they were overlapping and it was very sort of like brian eno ambient music for airports kind of thing using it in that way and then manipulating it in real time whereas last last month's recording was this brutal techno piece <laughs> so it's whatever i want to do and and that's that's kind of nice i'm just kind of going with the flow so it depends on what you, what you, do you wake up in a brutal techno mood or does it as the time or is it? I like always work. I always, always wake up in a brutal techno mood, Nick. That's, that's my default. Yeah. I think that I'm, I'm going to write that down as a possible title. That, yes. that probably has nothing to do with anything else. Uh, a brutal, brutal techno mood. <laughs> I got uh, I'm going to write that down anyway. Show, uh, what was the other name that I came up with? You did name one show already, already after one thing but anyway i'm, I I'm struggling to remember but that doesn't mean Human it wasn't modulation. memorable ah yes i'm struggling to make yes might, that's right i might even nick that for a song title if that's I all right you nick. Should. of course you can it's yours doing it <laughs> Actually, no you can't use it i'm gonna send my lawyers after you you do yeah. <laughs> anyway thank you very much matt um and also we have mr dominic hawken who is uh, Hello. in his studio how are you mr wiggly who is uh in fact uh plug-in maker and in fact i've got i am uh, today I have today, yeah, no, so it's going go. really well. Introducing the incinerator, watch the launch video. Thank so you for the Mr. Mr. Wiggly.co.uk. Do check it out. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've been um, I've been doing some plugins, which is good. Working on the next one and the next release of Incinerator. So thank you, thank you for that plug. It is going really well, which is fantastic. Um, but also this week, I've been getting into Discord a little bit. I launched a Mr. Wiggly Discord. So funny you should mention that you're now streaming into Discord, and. I've got a little Discord that's linked on the website, and there's a much bigger Discord run by a guy called Beardy Man, who a lot of people will have come across, I'm sure, as a beatboxer, and he's got this amazing Beardy Tron big oh, yeah, we live synth yeah. thing. Amazing. So I've got I've gone down a rabbit hole with that for a while, and we, we've contacted and chatted on Discord, and I've been looking at kind of live, loopy, manipulate kind of things, just because it seemed like a real lot of fun. And I was toying with the idea of coming up with another plugin that does something like that and just kind of looking at what's out there. And there's some really good stuff. Very, very talented guy. And not a well-known guy in the grand scheme of things. Go and check out his Twitch. Yeah. I mean, he had about 
500 followers or something. I mean, it's ridiculously uh, understated for the talent that, that that guy has. So just look up Beardy Man and get to it instantly because he's just amazing. He's doing live streams on Twitch and YouTube now and uh, they, they blow you apart. It's incredible. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure, Jamie, you must know him because uh, he, was, he, was, he was one of the... He, he's got a photographic memory, so he's able to put these kind of things together. Uh, he's like a live looper, which I know, Jamie, you've been you know, involved in, but he has this insanely complicated... Uh, rig, which is yeah, I don't yeah. know if you've seen it. Yeah, he's he's great, great. Of guy. course, yeah. No, no. I mean, right. uh, it's amazing to see the iterations and like you know, he's he's not just good at the beatbox. He's a very techy guy because yeah, you know, he's essentially had to build that machine, which is what I did with my Looper back in the day and Max. But that was you know about in the late nineties, so the tech was definitely different then. But he's just keeping going with like you know I, I one of the things that is so impressive and so i don't know lacking like i've always wanted ableton to be able to record into it simpler for example so that you could use it as a buffer sampler like one of the great things he does is just be able to record a small snippet of sound from his voice then it's instantly available as a polyphonic synth uh, you know it's like you know you might have something like that in an sk1 but it's quite hard to do that you know, Interesting. in the way that he's done it. Yeah. I mean, just even that simple tearaway idea. I mean, there used to be a funny you should mention that. Instant Funny you should mention that. Yeah. Crossfade loop synth by Expert Loopers. I think I got this from him. And ah, uh, Expert cool. Loopers made this plugin called Crossfade Loop Synth. And uh, I don't know if this no. would work, but I think I can go, hello. Let me do it again. Hello. 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 Yeah. So you're instantly just kind of doing that crazy. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Which, which is cool, you know. So that nice. I, I, I stuck that in here because it was going to be my. This is what I found this week. Right. Well, right. Let's leave it there. Yeah. Let's stop the teasing. And one thing I will say about Beardy Man is uh, we, we, he, he had a Keith McMillan floor preset thing and it went down oh, yeah. the, before the show that he did in Bath and we had one here and oh, I lent sure. it to him, but he never, it never came back. I guess it was his interview fee, but uh, he still got yeah. it. I hope it's still working. Nick, um, if you yeah. don't mind me saying one of the things, I'm just going to blow Jamie's trumpet here a little bit because one of the, the live things that I'd love to go and still watch is, Jamie, I think you was playing, I think it was a Warp Special, Royal Albert Hall. It's on YouTube mm -hmm. and you're live looping yeah, yeah. and you've got these crazy visuals and this guy's like gluing this hat onto you with <laughs> something on it. I don't know. Yeah, and man. that, I don't know, it's one of the best performances. I love it. It is so... Oh, I don't know. Man. It's so real, so organic, so in the flow. And back in yeah. that day as well, and it's your own software that you're using. I, lo I love that performance. Anyone go check it out after the show. Thanks, it's on man. YouTube. It's brilliant. I love it. It right. was a funny situation there because we, it was a warp tour with the London Sinfonietta playing a bunch of songs from Aphex Twin. And I was on Warp Records for 14 years. So I've done, I've, I know, I've, I've done a lot with them. Like that was a little bit back in the day, but they gave me eight minutes. <laughs> like, so it was a rush, man. We just had to get on with it. I think it went on for 20 in the end, but uh, still, the idea was eight awesome. minutes. But uh, yeah, wow. it's up there. I will, we'll the projector, basically, the projector was wrong. That it didn't work, so they had to hire in a last-minute projector, and it came back an absolute monster projector, like a total 
like overpowered thing and so the visuals for that show were just so there were just yeah it was like but everybody was burnt in the shape of projections on their their exposed skin (laughs) (laughs) everybody left with a warp logo on their foreheads yeah (laughs) I'm so sorry Jamie I I failed to mention that you were the the original instigator with me gushing on about uh, Beardy Man and you were doing it way before so I mean yeah just genius he's tremendous i mean he's always i mean the thing thing about Benny man he say back in the day he used to do pretty successful youtube videos i mean he won a lot of competitions and stuff and he'd do mm. sort of a cooking thing and he's a great like comedian yeah so a lot of that beatbox world like reggie watts and stuff it kind of the looping thing kind of goes kind of hand in hand with stand-up comedy in a way mm. improv mm. so it's sort of i see him in the sort of improv world yeah. of kind of almost comedy and music yeah. <laughs> it's he's, a kind yeah, of interesting space yeah yeah he's very yeah, yeah. very good i saw him i saw him live when he did a piece for us anyway gosh uh, we got topics Sorry, and stuff yes. haven't we but yeah fascinating. <laughs> yeah. thank you thank you though that was great uh, uh, well worth um, so the first video i'm going to play is from a chap called dan larson and it's a kind of you know production techniques video and it's rather uh clickbaity titled this is why your music is boring and this is uh let's see if i fast forward hey, it a bit and here welcome to the newest synthesizer sunday episode and in this video i want to show you why your music sucks so it starts off with this, which, you know, is fairly static, but then he ends up in this so kind of really interesting, this, this adds all of I these really interesting in again, coming from operator. elements. And oh, I think we'll hear it in a second. Oh, the LFO is missing. But anyway, it sounds so cool on itself, so... And so he adds, he adds a few elements, a few rises and whatnot, and I just thought... This was really, I, th- I found it interesting because not only is he really good, uh, so let me, uh, I'll post this link because it was, uh, it will go in the, the chat rooms and whatnot, uh, but that he was also, it, it illustrates this kind of concept because many of us are uh, maybe a bit more old school in terms of, you know, you write the song, you arrange the song, the song stands on its own. But obviously in sort of modern dance culture pop and, and, and certainly music that, I suppose the kids are listening to it's not all it's about that but it's also about the production techniques and this kind of like ear candy and mm. the excitement that these production tips can join in I thought there's a really interesting yeah. balance between those things and it some of the stuff that he was doing it, you know yeah it did start quite basic but then actually it, it generated this excitement and there wasn't an awful lot that he added I mean it was just a few key things mm-hmm. and you're like oh wow I mean he's obviously very talented uh, and it worked pretty well I don't know I thought um let me see. Well, I'll come to you, Jamie, because you're, you know, we've we've had a long discussion about the sort of the, the classic songwriting and the ability to perform vocally and, you know, these things which are yeah. very much the now. Whereas, and this is this is kind of almost the antithesis of this, but it complements that as well in a way, right? Well, obviously it does. Yeah, it was funny, you know, my son's really into talking heads these days. And uh, which is welcome. I mean, we have sort of slightly encouraged it, but um, you, 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 you know, with that kind of band, and you've got the meat and potatoes. Essentially, like in that example, like he's playing. You've got the guitar, you've got the drums, you've got the the centre of the song. But with production extensions, you know, courtesy of Eno, a lot of the time when they're talking heads, um, you you get much more than just simple ear candy i suppose it it actually puts the song in a completely different place and takes it away from that familiar world of of band i mean i suppose it's not quite as applicable when you're starting with electronic sound which is more abstract anyway but uh yeah certainly (laughs) 
some kind of I mean what the most interesting thing he did to me was like add a kind of counter rhythm like with a soloed conga part that sounded pretty weird on its own and yeah. like that was sort of revealing I mean adding spaciousness and a slower kind of reverberant backdrop is a relatively simple thing anyone can kind of do but adding kind of a, a, a counterpoint rhythm I think that was that was cool I think that showed a next level of skill and yeah it's good stuff it's interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, I, th- I used to do a lot of remixing, and I remember, you know, that there was this thing where it would, you'd have the section, but the thing I used to really spend ages on were the turnarounds, the little kind of the the, the drum fills, mm. the snare fills, the sort of like yeah. the, the, the 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 bits that would join the section together. That's where you could get really creative, and that, I suppose that's that's something that maybe has come along yeah. more with the culture of remixing. I don't know, um, Dom, you're yeah. kind of you know you you remix, you bring remixed, you also songwrite. So I mean, you must be aware of all of these things, and it's. it's which bit do you get the most joy from do you think um well i i love songwriting um but it this is production right isn't it i mean song yeah. songwriting with a guitar and stuff I, I love coming up with 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 stuff um and when it's easy i love the production side but i actually find it quite complicated and 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 the, the the stuff that he was showing, which were the kind of the risers and the droppers and the, and the you know you've got this fundamentally pretty lame beat going on and some stuff going on and, and by sticking little parts underneath it and making stuff move, you've suddenly got some mm. some life in the track and it's kind of it's pretty obvious when you think about it. But a lot of people, especially if you're just putting some kind of four four house beat on something and then the arpeggio goes on, sounds great in your headphones. You wouldn't think about doing anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're looking at techno or something, you know you've got very very few parts going on and they tend to last for a long time and they have to evolve in such a way that the person who is kind of lost in the music is going on some kind of journey and that could be really subtle but it has to be right you know mm. you're not just going to dance for 16 bars or 32 bars to something that doesn't change um and if you're looking at producing say a pop thing that's equally it's equally valid just in a slightly mm. more in your face way and i think i've 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 kind of always tried to get um that, that Mark Hollis quote always comes up from Talk Talk, which is, you know, if you're going to, something like, if you're going to play a note, make sure it's the right note and don't, don't bother playing it, you know, <laughs> don't play two notes when you can play one and make sure it's the right sound, something along those lines, a classic, which quote that I can never remember. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the fewer the sounds you put into it, the better it, the, the, those sounds have to be and the better it sounds. But the mm. real subtle little tweaks that most people probably wouldn't be aware of but they're aware subconsciously make a massive difference to the production. And and you mm. can go the Trevor Horn route where, I mean, if I'm listening to something, I hear little things, I hear a space and I'm going, actually, I want that to just tuck in. It could be a Tom, no, it could be a, it could be a, it could be a rim shot. It doesn't matter, you know, mm. but you hear something that's just pushing your brain into falling into the chorus and lifting the chorus a bit higher. So there's, there's loads of different ways of doing it. And his ways were, pretty easy for people to follow i mean it was a real benchmark kind of this is what you do here's a gap and we're going up here so put a swoop up you know and getting i don't know little just side chaining big big chords underneath it really quietly or using white noise coming out of choruses and yeah he used quite a lot of white noise didn't he which was yeah you've just because it just cuts you know and it sounds good 
over anything really because there's no room for anything else you can't stick white noise on top of a pop chorus but the whole point is you should be kind of writing fader movements in right and knob you know that's that's changing the filter or changing the resonance mm -hmm. over the course of the 32 bars just make it move because that's what instruments do since don't unless you actually have got an lfo or some movement mm -hmm. going and then i just just mm -hmm. hear think of it like a picture or, or whatever here mm -hmm. where you you kind of want to be pushed in a direction and it's not going there yet and that, that to me is production totally yeah yeah production. It's interesting, Matt, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, you, you work in the kind of modular environment, a lot of live stuff. I mean, do, are you able to add, you know, how do you accomplish those things, those transitional things? Because they're harder to achieve live because you, you don't, you can't necessarily craft the kind of nifty little bit and, and tie up a whole bunch of modules or whatever yeah. uh, just yeah. for that little, you know, whatever it is that you've got in your head. Yeah, you know? that writer or whatever. Yeah, the, the, the thing is about doing it in, in something as big as this and only this when you're on the road is those transitions they're different they're not perfectly executed risers in and like you you could do in the computer in a daw you can get super hypercritical and you can draw everything into the ninth degree and get that drop it bang on here i've got two hands 10 fingers that's it and it's whatever i can do at that particular time in that moment and it goes right back to what Don was just saying. It's like, um, if you want that movement and excitement in electronic music, rather than drawing stuff in with automation and your mouse, chuck your mouse away, get your get a MIDI controller out. All you need is one dial, map it to something and just do it, do it organically. I really think it comes through in the music a lot. And it's one of the reasons why I've, I've got into working with hardware so much is because because of that connection I have with the instrument, with the filter, with the resonance, with the whatever I'm playing with, I, that connection I think comes through in the music. Um, and you just listen to the stuff that I've released this year. Um, everything has been done in that way. Everything is one take. That's all you're hearing is one take, the stereo mix, and that's it, job done. And every movement is something that I'm reacting to. And that's what we're doing, isn't it? When we're making live electronic music in this way, you're reacting from one thing to another. So I might have a simple baseline go in and then I'll react to that. What's my response to that? Okay, I want a bit more high end. So I'm going to go open octave. Okay, now what am I gonna, I'm going to react to that. I want, it's a bit too dry. I want some reverb and I'll take it away. You're constantly reacting to the previous thing you've just done and changing and they call it the flow i guess you know it's yeah. the same sort of thing like jamie does and tim xl does with the mm -hmm. flow machine and that kind of thing you're reacting and, and creating on the fly but what's really exciting about that is you're producing music you're writing music and you're mixing music simultaneously that for me yeah. is where it gets exciting i'm i the thought of going back and starting a track, just opening up a DAW and just throwing in some beats and stuff like that for me is like, if I have to do that, I'll do that. You know, I do that for TV and adverts. I do that from remixing someone. But for me, the place to start is to start with just a few very, very simple ideas, usually on the modular, just like a simple riff. And that's your starting point. Um, yeah. And you just, you vibe with it. And then, yeah, you've got the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I could go on about this all day. Like, I mean, some people would say that electronic music is not an art form. It's not a performance art form. I mean, I totally disagree with that. Just go look at what we were talking about earlier with Jamie on, on stage at Royal Albert Hall or look at what Beardy Man's doing and that kind of thing. Um, we've, yeah. yeah, we've still got a lot to do to go forward with that. 
absolutely. Interesting. Mm. I, 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 I have overrun a little bit, so I think it's probably uh, only fair that uh, we have a message from our friends over at Isotope uh, because well, it's quite uh, re relevant, really. Isotope Producers Club <laughs> is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. Indeed you can, but you can also uh, head over to isotope.com slash sonictalk and enter the code SONIC10 at checkout to save 10% on any isotope plugin or bundle, which I'm reliably informed. Uh, they're running a, a promo this week, which is for 49 bucks. You can get 11 uh, plugins as part of the community appreciation bundle and you get you get to save 10% on that as well. So we thank them very much for their generosity there and uh, always nice to hear from them. So, um... Uh, yes, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm distracted. I've just realised I've made a load of modifications to my setup and I'm sort of forward thinking on how on earth I'm going to achieve some of the things that I know I've got to do later in the show, which is a kind of, it's kind of what people like uh, Jamie and Beardy Man and what, well, will have to worry about when they haven't rehearsed, which I'm sure they do more than I do. So there we go. Um, right, well, let's let's take a second one. Um, this, um, I'm going to I'm going to go for this one next. So this is a video by uh, a chap called Synth Forever. Uh, it's the Korg Trident. I think this is a Mark II this in this case. Is the Korg? I Trident wanted this synth so much when I was a young lad. It just looked like the bee's knees, eight voice, An analog, polyphonic, eight voice analog synthesizer with a flanger that has three independent <laughs> instruments. <laughs> That's what I think. That's and it. Flanger. Yeah. And a flanger. Anyway, I won't. I won't play the whole thing, but it's, it's a nice exploration of all that. And it was, you know, it was this again one of these massive flagship synthesizers that uh, I think came around. It was originally released in 1980, and it came about because you know we have the Jupiter Eight and these synths, which were designed to be performing live because a lot of this high production value studio music was going out on the road. So you needed these instruments that were able to kind of stand up to the rigors of that and look good on stage. And I guess that was one of the ones. And I and I, but then I was listening to this and I was just thinking, God, it really doesn't sound all that good, does it? I mean, it's really not compared to what we can get these days. And I, I feel it's in some ways the same way about the Jupiter 8. Again, it's an iconic thing. It's a, it, what it means rather than what it does. And I wondered whether anybody else had an unreasonable um, love of the Trident. I'm going to come to you first, Jamie, because I know you like a bit of vintage and it's got a thing about it. There's a certain sort of uh, retro chic going on there with the look, right? Yeah, I've got a friend, Pat Sansone, who's in the band Wilco, and uh, I remember, he's the only person I know that owns one of these. And uh, he really loves it, and he's he's played a lot, so <laughs> there's definitely something to it. I, I must admit, I've never played one. No, I don't uh, think I have it, either. 
Yeah, to that point though of like, you know, I do have a Rhodes Chroma and an OBXA and a Profit 5 and a Jupiter 4. So I've got a few of the old polys and uh, yeah, man. I mean, some people will, will complain like something like a Rhodes Chroma just sounds, you know, pre-plastic and relatively stale by today's standards, but it's got no effects, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's true. like, it's like you can easily get it there if you slap a few effects on and that and that can be distortion as well as you know as reverbs and the usual modulators or other things that might be called effects so i think it's a little bit sort of unfair in a way to compare the old to the new in that way if you're just going to strip it down to how are the oscillators how are the filters how how does it feel to play i still think most of the time the old polys win for me but that's but that is a very nostalgic thing, and uh, you know I, I think sometimes it's not the right tool for the job. But well, that's and true. I will say they command such crazy prices. I yeah. kind of I feel I feel bad to sell like an old synth like an OBX. I mean, obviously the bearings will probably knock down the price fairly hard. Maybe maybe not. But I just just I feel. I'd feel guilty if I sold it for like, you know, five grand or something or eight grand or whatever people will pay for them. It just feels like it's just going to go into the hands of doctors and lawyers. No offense to them, but you know, this isn't too much of a personal question. How are your membranes uh, on the uh, chroma? <laughs> so it's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> the membranes are, deeply responsive i i usually use a i, I usually use a slapping technique which uh, does shorten the life of the instrument but it definitely doubles the excitement poke them with a pencil yeah their membranes are good i oh, mean yeah the, my chrome is in good shape i've got two voice cards that are being repaired by rjd2 currently uh, oh, right. those who don't know rjd2 is a total synth master and can repair since he's an absolute knowledge uh i wish i was too but uh he's got my cards on the bench and they are not coming back to life so there you go i've got six voice chroma at the moment but uh anyway we're talking I, about I, I, I'm I, talking did, about the I, I did i did have uh, a, the, that was the other synth the rose chroma was something that i really hankered over and i know mm, yoad is a massive fan of the polaris so because that sounds fantastic yeah, let's uh, let's yeah, let's awesome. see where, uh, i'm going to come to you dominic because i know that you're uh you probably have you know similar a similar age of similar synth vintage, appreciation, yeah. similar vintage. So, mm, ever yeah. played a set of Cork Trident? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to start exactly with the with the same words. I mean, I was lusting over that I had all the little brochures and everything when I couldn't afford to buy my first synth, and I was getting mm. it together. There was a Cork yeah. Trident, obviously the Jupiter Eight, mm. and they were out of reach. And then there was a Poly Six and a Monopoly that came out together from Korg's side, and there was a Juno's and the JX3Ps and the SH101 that came in on the Roland side. And they suddenly, mm. the, the the almost affordable synths came out. You know, they were kind of under a grand rather than a grand and a half, oh, yeah. two grand or something. And and I somehow, I did try them all. They were, I, I got this Saturday job at the London Rock Shop in Camden to, uh, and then subsequently in, in Bristol, when I went to do my A-levels in Bristol, they had another shop there, which is, which is great. And uh, it meant two things. It meant I could buy trade price keyboards and I also got <gasps> to try everything. And um, I didn't get mm -hmm. on with the Corks for some reason, the Trident and the, and the it's, it's different when you don't have to, but you know, you can play them all. And, and the, the Poly 6 and yeah. the Monopoly and the Trident didn't quite get
get me. And I turned into a bit of a Roland fanboy. And it wasn't that they were bad. They just sounded a little bit different. And I think I liked that sort of, to me, it sounded a little bit warmer, I think. And what I would have absolutely loved would have been the Prophet, the Prophet 5 or the T8 or one of those. That would have, having played them yeah. all, that's what I came up from that shop going, this is what I want. And that was way out of my price range. And I, I think the Rolands, I got a JX3P in the end because of the MIDI, but a Juno and a... Um, and uh, an SH101 was my first keyboard, and that got me a little bit closer to the Prophet sound and away from the Korg. And I've always been a more of a fan of the the Prophet filters and the Mooga filters and less of the kind of OBX and the Oberheim and the, and the Korg ones, just for some reason. Um, but, hmm. you're, you're, I mean, Jamie's 100% right. It, it's the, 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 the feel and the... It maybe it's just the reminiscence of the whole thing, mm, but it's just there a, is, lovely, there is it's a lovely bit of equipment. But I think for most of those vintage synths, the memory is a lot better than they'd actually sound yeah. in the studio now. Isn't it always? Clearly. Well, it's like and, when and, you hear those old Top yeah. of the Pops tracks and there's somebody goes, oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah. And then you hear it and you go, God, that was terrible. <laughs> what? What was I thinking? Yeah, it doesn't mean yeah, the same exactly. thing at all. Yeah, same kind exactly. of deal. Yeah. Um, Matt. <laughs> I know you. You know you've you've said you're not all that into kind of keyboard synths, but is there not a sort of piece that you'd kind of like to have lying yes. around just as that kind of yeah? Look, check out my yeah. massive synth, as it were. <laughs> yeah. So um, I've talked. I've talked about check out my massive synth before on the show, and it my mine of choice is the Korg Poly Ensemble, and Ooh, um, yes, I'm really big. The PE-1000 and the PE-2000. Tom York's using this a lot on his solo albums. That that string synth sound is one of these. Um, his is a little bit wonky and he hasn't had it repaired because he really likes the sort of nuance of the, the wobbliness of it. But um, I have the Poly-1000 and this is awesome. And it also has that filter, the traveler filter. So you get the high pass and the low pass on it, which you can control with a foot pedal. And... Um, this thing was beautiful, and I, I, I'm so annoyed that I sold it, um, but I needed money at the time, and it was, re it was really heavy. But this thing I love, and I um, I think the strings sound very similar to this Trident. That's what that you get on this Korg Poly. Um, so I'd definitely go for something like this. I love, I love machines like this as well that kind of just do one thing and one thing well. Um, I'd really like to just get one of these, and a, and a drum machine and some guitar foot pedals and just make an album with that. Mm. Just that, you know, I, I, buying, buying uh, synths these days, I like to buy them to kind of just do one thing, almost like as a preset. And then I like to see what, well, what can I do with them? How can I misuse them? How can I mangle them? And what can I put them through rather than menu diving and doing wave folding or something like that? Yeah. But yeah, I must yeah, admit, there, there was... Um, there's another great synth, which is totally out of my range in terms mm -hmm. of finance. I, I only got to play on this once. I was working with the Radiophonic Workshop. Um, I was doing some work with them at um, mm. Peter Gable Studio, and they had the um, the Roland, what what, uh, what is it now? The one with the coloured preset keys on it. You just mentioned it, Dom. Jupiter 4. Jupiter 4. Jupiter 4. Was it Jupiter 8, though, I think it was? Ah, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe, yeah. Um, and if I had them on the if I had them on the front, uh, it would have been a Compuphonic or a uh, Jupiter Four on the front edge. If it was on the top, it would probably have been a Jupiter Eight. It was on the top. Ah, it so was it on the top, yet. yeah. And I had yeah, a little you, play you with it. You definitely can't afford that. No, <laughs> no. man. But I must admit, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't exactly that blown away with it. But to be honest, I was a little bit too anxious anyway, sort of playing 
kit that belongs to radiophonic workshop and yeah. how expensive it is and and what have you so but yeah if, if anyone wants anyone's got one of those hanging around they're doing their flogging cheap let us know yeah, well, they do come up from time to time, but they always, they, they, whenever they do, people go, have you seen the price? It seemed that the price of a Jupiter 8 seemed to somehow represent the entire synth resale industry. So people kind of like <laughs> see that. It's like the marker, you know, it's yeah. like the Bitcoin of, uh, yeah. of of synth trading, I think, or something like that. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was kind of fun. If you do want to check out synth yeah. for uh, stuff, he's got some other cool things. Uh, where's I going to, maybe, well, while we're on the topic of that, uh, I'm just trying to think what's the to- Maybe I should, I know I've, I, I've, it's been a bit back to back but i'm going to do this now uh because then we've got room to to do all of our topics so uh check out the mode of cobalt cobalt 8 as well that is a cracking synth uh it's got eight voice extended virtual analog synth innovative oscillator with 34 algorithms morphable four pole ladder filter 29 endless encoders for real-time control internal sequencer and arpeggiator uh, mpe support which works really well for expression modal app for mac windows ios android vst3 and au if you want to check that out go to bit.ly slash uh, get modal i think it was yeah that's right bit.ly slash get modal and then they'll be able to figure out where you came from and everybody will be happy um yes well there are a couple more pieces that we've got let me just scroll down to what my next i, I might have to go here first because we've got a singer on this uh, well, let's go here this is uh the eclipse sound dreamtronics uh it's called solaris which is not actually a synth but it is based on the mm. synth v engine now this is it's contented. We usually have one of these every couple of years, and this is a new sort of virtualized AI vocalist. Here we go. Here she comes. Two, three, miles four. Away. This love is miles away, but I feel Not a great start, but wait. Taking control. There it goes. That way it was good. Out. This, this is getting better. This love is reaching out, leading me further now than I've been before. Yeah, this is the, oops, that's, so this is, there are two reasons why this is interesting. I mean, A, you know, we, we've done these periodically over the time, and as we've known, there's been a, there's been a really big, um, or there was a really big kind of K-pop slash kind of Asian pop uh, vocaloid kind of thing, which was one of Yamaha's early technologies. And this is sort of yeah. pops up every once in a while. I mean, this is supposed to be, uh, and I'm trying to remember who it is. It's a pop artist, M- Emma Rowley, and it's supposed to be an English vocalist. And the idea, but what, what makes this kind of more interesting as well is they're running this as an Indiegogo. So this is actually a kind of, it's a bit of, it's a software I've not seen this done in terms of, you know, like a crowdfunding for a software voice. And it seems, you know, there are a bunch of people who are interested. But I'm just kind of, I'm trying to understand the need and the the, the, the fascination with this thing. Because I think we all end up fascinated. You're a vocalist. I'll come to you a bit, a bit later on, if that's all right. Because I'm interested to see what other people say. So, um, yeah. Dom, Dom, I mean, the thing about this is sometimes it's... Uh, <laughs> It's because you can, you sort of go, isn't that cool? But should you? I mean, is that... This This is a really... I agree. It's a really weird one. Because if you scratch the surface, there's some really weird stuff going on here. There's there's an engine called Synthesizer V or Synthesizer 5, which these things plug into. And uh, they're very, very kind of K-pop oriented things because you don't just plug one of these sound modules in. They, They come with... The whole character, so the character—they're almost like the the pop star themselves—is contained within this entire package. So when you dig into the company that's raising this money, more than fifty percent of the company are graphic designers. They've spent their whole life drawing 
the promotions mm. for these characters because I couldn't understand why like part some of the um some of the things you get for for sponsoring it was like we'll draw you a picture kind of stuff and I was like well this is weird why are there so many designers in here so their their background is running the promo on these um characters that are developed um and they're really clever they're beautifully designed and and clearly they've made the leap to go well there really isn't any uk oriented singers no. they're all sort of eastern oriented ones there is one but i couldn't get to hear it and i would imagine it's a pretty bad one that's just been translated so they've come in and they've said right we're gonna we're gonna make this this vocal patch for them and it's one step better than what you've just played because Synthesizer 5 have produced mm. an AI version. There's a standard version, which is what you've just played, and an AI oh. version, which has just come out. And they want the money to build the library into an AI version, which no one's heard yet. But I presume they've been working with the guys with Synthesizer 5 to do it. So ah. that's that's the story. What I don't understand is a lot of your money is going towards creating the character, which I presume they can then market. Mm. And they have a they have a thing saying, look, you know, you'll if you buy the the vocal pack, you get it to use what you want, but you can't really promote it. You can kind of sell key rings with the character on, but it's our character. And it's quite if I was on Dragon's Den head on, I'd be like uh, sorry, I'm out of this station because it's, like, it's too yeah, it's confusing. It's like a sample library where you can't actually uh, use any of it. You, you can is, still use all so, the sounds. So this is what just, Solaris you, looks like. It's weird. This is yeah. what an English, now, an English singer would look like in the in the K-pop exactly. world. That's interesting. Right. I, I, I mean, they, they need to be able to come back because I don't want to diss them. And, you know, it'd be great yeah. if they could pop us an email and say next week, actually, do you know what? It's not like that. But it it's not clear from the website. Um but it looks like they get the rights to this character which they design and the things and they can actually push it like that. You get the rights to make music with the character, but you'd have to do your own drawings kind of stuff. But it's it's very much more than just an AI library. They're paying for this whole character development thing, really. And we can't hear it yet because it's on this new AI one. So theoretically, uh, it should be a lot better than the sample you play. I would hope so. You'd hope so, wouldn't you, Jamie? I mean, it's interesting that that that, that I mean, I wonder if you could ask Alexa to sing you a song because that that isn't that kind of yeah. you can send her the send her the lyrics and then maybe she could it's just be a, yeah a real tearjerker but I've, I've set up I've actually worked with Jimmy I've worked with Jimmy Edgar a fair bit like just did a sample pack with him for Splice the uh, In Living 808 that we worked so many months on yeah. and uh, so I've been in contact a lot more with Jimmy and uh, he just wrote on Twitter that he just signed a consent form with his favourite rapper to make an AI clone of his voice and he's sending over an acapella data sheet to create a model and the programmer will make a text to speech wow. version. And he says, I've heard what they did and it already is literally indistinguishable. Wow. So like there's people like that working on other levels, you know, that don't need any money from you. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is an interesting sphere. I mean, it's, I don't like the, uh, a lot of the connotations, obviously the, yeah, but I mean, just just remove humanity from the whole music making but, process. But don't, pretty don't, much gets. Yeah, but sorry, don't you think that? Don't you think that you know that what it does demonstrate is the emotion that you can convey from a, a proper human input is just is a million miles away from what these things can do. I mean, okay, it might get better, but I don't see how it's ever going to get to be as good as Yebba, yeah. for instance. It's just not like it's, it's not a, possible. No. 
There's an interesting possible aside. I did a thing on the last podcast using this Sanken mic that I talk about every time. I finally got around to using the damn thing. So like you record at 192 kilohertz, whatever, it records up to 100 kilohertz, the Sanken CUX100K. So you think, why record up to 100 kilohertz? But it's basically when you slow down the file like four times, whatever, you're still at a very good rate. It's not a low fidelity recording. Oh, okay. And I demonstrate like this, a very good Sherps against it and just how much crazy it is. And what you really hear is I do like a lion's roar, like a really crappy, like, Wah! and then slow it down. It actually becomes truly crazy on the Sanken. Like, but you can hear the opening and closing of like, you know, the, epiglottis. the back of your mouth, yeah. You can hear the pipe kind of resonating and stuff. It's absolutely yes. crazy. So it's yeah, it's bizarre. It becomes like a mouth cave, and um, <laughs> sort of like I just think if they worked on them on that. Uh, I mean, obviously they are in some regard, but I've been uh, I've seen other ones where you can see a side shot of a human sort of vocal tract, and you can kind of go, hey, 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 yeah, hey, that, hey. wasn't that, wasn't that one of the Google sort of, things? Yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah, so and sort of, <laughs> it just sort of feels like that would be good if you could sort of go and sort of go to a doctor and go, hey, can you like just shove some stuff in my mouth and like make me like get all my dimensions. Do you know what I mean? So you could sort of, I like that idea, sort of like get a kind of, uh, you that's, know. I mean, if I was if I was in if I was in craft work, I'd be fully behind all this, of course. It's a it's that would be a tricky, a tricky mold to make. A tricky mold to make that. Mm -hmm. I think it'd have to be a scan, wouldn't it? Because be a tricky yeah, mold to make. Oh no, it'll be set in a minute. It only takes three minutes. Oh, oh yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, sorry, he's <laughs> gone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, I think they removed the, yeah, anyway, I think they did remove the vocal cords from the most famous Indian singer, didn't they? Asher Bosley. Am I right? Really? I think, anyway. Did they? Just yeah, because they hated I think her voice. So. Wow. Oh, she was tremendous. <laughs> oh, my God. She was amazing. I, I'm assuming um, it was after uh, she passed away. <laughs> get rid of that one like vocal cords uh, like, so you mean, like, a, like a peacock yeah it's like you uh, know, uh, get your hands chopped off if you steal you get your vocal cords removed if you sing that would be interesting though because then you could have a singing cat because if wow, you had all the, yeah. all the tracks of different animals that would be cool wouldn't it you sort uh, of like well, it could, be. Human, it could yeah. be weird Matt, singing um, pipes yeah singing Matt, toilet. Do, does this have connotations for education because obviously you know you've got hundreds or you know regular uh producers coming through your courses who perhaps can't sing but can produce tracks whatever yeah. i mean we've talked yeah. about this before is it some is it a viable tool for them to use would they use something like this to yeah. kind of just stick a it, scratch vocal on something for every, instance? everything is a viable toy um a, a tool for any producer the thing i'm most excited about for this is not using it in a way that it's been designed and intended to use give this to the world yeah. and see what they do with it see what right. they can do with it see see what they can misuse it um you know profanity i think it would be a good start yeah well you know <laughs> that's not a misuse that's a good use yeah i mean it's, it's the solid use. you know think about like uh the um you know the 909 the 808 the 303 what they were designed to do and how they've been misused and, and shipped into other styles of music so what can this do what can this open up what other styles of music can this open the doors to how can this be misused i don't think it will i don't think we'll move towards all music being used with ai although i think we should be very aware of its impact because it's not going away and it's getting better yeah. and better and yeah, yeah, better yeah. and better but i i think people are always going to want to listen to the beatles and 
and listen to humanized music but i think there there will this will help us introduce other styles of music and we shouldn't be afraid of that i think we should be embracing different styles of music and that will only happen by putting this in the hands of everyone out there in the world the music producers and see what somebody will use this in a way and it and it could just go bang what is there something, something new very striking happened. yeah yeah don't you just think in the same the case way of like the yeah Sorry, man. Go on, Jamie. Do you think in the case of something like the 303 in that era of technological kind of progress, it was happening so slowly, you say someone could get hold of this, but this is happening like this month. Next month, some viable alternative to the same technology, slightly modified, will come around. Are they supposed to learn that one or this one? Are they? So, you yeah. know what I mean? It's sort of like, it's a yeah, sort yeah. of tricky thing of like which ship do you get on board when it's moving so fast? Mm. I mean, the idea of AI is it's pretty big sort of cloudy thing so sort of like i like ai or like i believe in the future of ai but it's like a kind of a that's a big thing isn't it i mean I, I i completely agree it's it's inevitably coming but i think uh just bringing up a child and stuff i just i i feel like i really want him away from the screens and i want him more in the world of of, presence you know yeah. maybe i'm old school but yeah i think more yeah. humanity would be a good thing I think, but, I, but, but i also agree like I, just I think keep that, using it and abusing it completely. I think that's right. I mean, I think it's yeah. interesting. And I, 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 if my daughter's anything to go by, uh, she uses technology all the time, but she's also incredibly mistrustful to the point where she would never even yeah. pay for a subscription or anything. Because even if it's only like a pound <laughs> a month, a pound a month to, to, to increase her storage for her photos or whatever. No, no, I'm not. I'm not letting yeah. the man have my have my subscription. They'll know too much. Wow. Do you know what I mean, there's this really. So I think there's a deep mis. Maybe it's country specific, but certainly in the UK. <laughs> There's less of that. Nick, have you, have you got access? Can you get into the chat on VMAX? Because I've just posted a YouTube link in there. I don't know if you can access that, but uh, that's an example of, of somebody using, um, which was very um, old vocal synthesis technology, if you want. Um, and yeah. somebody who's then taken that and put it into, um, it's sort of basically circuit bent it. Um, and uh, I'm, I've been watching this this person on YouTube called Lars Lucy Number Eight Legion, strange name. And he's got these couple of these Japanese old sort of uh, synthy vocal toys, and they've got the faces of the people on as they're talking. And he's got a bit all connected <laughs> motorized MIDI controllers, and it sounds awesome. It just sounds like something off. It's like cross between Aphex Twin, and Boards of Canada, and uh, early Jamie yeah. Nadell stuff. I can't. I'm, really I'm, on the wrong, I'm on the wrong computer. Get now to, the secret out. I'm on the wrong yes. computer. All this time I was just. I'm sorry. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, no, I will no, try and find it. If you send it another way, I'll put it in the chat room. I could get it, but I can't get it via by that VMix. Should I send it on email? Is it, uh, yeah, that could work, and I can certainly put that in the uh, the stuff. Um, yeah. I'd really yeah, I just love. Thought, um, I, I thought it was interesting, though. Yeah. Sorry. So I was just going to say, I really love Biggie to do my, my sat-nav. I think that's really the, the number one use for this kind of technology is to replace your sat-nav. <laughs> yeah. Well, there wasn't there, there, there oh, was yeah. one, there was a very famous one. It was, uh, who's the guy from Pulp Fiction? I've forgotten what his name is now. You know? Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson did one, but it was yeah, really abusive and it's supposed to be brilliant. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, you can nice. now have him on as your ex Alexa and he will be swearing, oh. he swears his head off and everything. Interesting. No, that, but, um, that that seems reasonable. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I suppose that that, that kind of ties in a little bit into. Uh, let me see if I can find the. Yep. Yeah, uh, oh, where's it gone? Uh, I had a. Uh, 
Oh, I've, I just wait. It's this one. So I might have to open it again because I think I may, maybe I closed the uh, the link. So if I go over, oh no, there we go. I got it. So if I go to this page here, uh, there's a really interesting article on um, Attack Mag. Uh, I'll post the link in the show notes, oh, yeah. uh, which was just literally about how how, Jap- how the Japanese technology shaped so much of our modern music culture. Uh, unfortunately, there's no byline, so I can't give anybody a. Um, a name check but it's a great article um it's a that it kind mm. of uh, if i could summarize uh, at least as i understand it there were so many factors that seemed to come into play with this i mean um essentially japanese had a long history of craftsmanship you know which as we've seen with yamaha they're very fo- you know very big on that on, on that you know going back uh, and, and also the exchange rate in the sort of late 70s early 80s mm. was very favorable encourage innovation and investment uh, they also mm. massive innovators in industrialization uh, also known for taking external concepts and kind of making them better, you know, rather than coming up with something completely of uh, uh, new, they're really good modifiers, and also their build quality and this sort of the what you know the, the build quality and the long lastingness of that particular phase of manufacture. I think that's all changed. I mean, these all all these things have shifted because now you can get things made kind of anywhere. There's some very interesting quotes in there about you know why is it the wise and wherefores and where the market's going. But I just thought it was fascinating. I mean, do you feel strong? I mean, do you, do you see that this kind of because Japanese technology has shaped so much of what we do in electronic music. I mean, not so much maybe software, but certainly in the kind of sounds that we identify with in the same way that, you know, the, the distorted guitar is a thing that came from, you know, you can trace the sources of that. And it really spoke to us as humans. The, the kind of Roland sound and what have you has has the same sort of uh, yeah. resonance, I suppose, culturally. You know, the thing I was looking, I was reading that mag, you're totally right, Nick. One thing I was reading in that article, really, and what I think they might have maybe missed, and I could be wrong of you, is that maybe, you know, Japanese were looking at people like Bob Moog and him producing these massive synthesizers and then them thinking, oh, how can we make this smaller and more affordable? And, and, you know, yeah, well, miniaturization was a, was a big thing as well, wasn't it? That's yeah. true. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think there was that. And I, I think that's kind of been missed in the article. But nonetheless, what they've also done is they've gone, okay, how can we make this cheaper? How can we make this more affordable and smaller? And you can carry it around and that. But also, they're forward thinking. You know, they're also, you know, those that started looking at like the MS20 and making it semi modular and, um, yeah, they've they've done a lot. So I don't want I don't want to diss them and just say that they just basically took what somebody else did and and try to make it cheaper and more convenient to carry around. They certainly haven't. They've done more than that and they've pushed it um, further further and further along for us. So yeah, totally. It's a really great article. Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, you know, you you're appreciative of all kinds of vintage technology. You know, whether it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, you're fully international and uh, um, non non denominational uh, racially, shall we say, in terms of. <laughs> but the, the Japanese stuff does have a thing. I mean, there is a thing that it kind of has, and it, it, I mean, there are flavors yeah. of it, obviously. But it's an interesting concept. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll never I'll never forget the experience of doing this eight oh eight sort of sample pack thing I just did. Um, just trying to recreate those sounds from scratch as as faithfully as I could, and sort of going through all the schematics and all the old the old papers and how the machine was designed. The eight oh eight was just a a beautiful exercise in uh, elegance, 
like excellent sound design and like really exacting standards. Like I, I, if I'm not mistaken, they had to stop manufacturing them because they actually made use of a, a broken transistor that made the white noise part of the 808. It was actually wow. a part that they insisted on using that could only be had as a sort of, uh, you know, a limited stock. <laughs> yeah, it was a reject. So really all clones of the 808 yeah. suffer from not having this transistor because it can't be done in that way. So but just having seen the elegance of the design of that thing, it was, it, yeah, I mean, anyone who's tried to put together like 16 sounds that make up a really useful drum kit, do you know what I mean? Just even that simple exercise, good luck to you trying to come up with a set as wildly, you know, harmonious and incredible yeah, yeah, as yeah. the 808. You know, it's just that in itself is just, I don't know that the, the man hours that went into it is just unthinkable in a way. I think they work very hard. Another cliche about the Japanese, which I think is obviously yeah. true. The, so you the tireless work ethic and it, and it shows in a simple, you pull away any of those machines and have a look at them and, and you see the excellence in them. So, yeah, I mean, amazing. Interesting. Uh, house. Well, the, <laughs> something that you mentioned earlier, uh, um, um, uh, Dom was the fact that you know once these things are out in the world, I think that you might have briefly uh, alluded to it. There's some great quotes in this article. One of you know is like people from big designers from Cork say, "Well, you can make all of the stuff you like, but once it goes in the world, it never gets used in the way that you originally designed it for. You yeah. have no yeah. idea yeah. what's going to happen." You know? And, and yeah. all of this touches on on stuff we've just mentioned. Like like I don't think I'd have been into synthesizers had they not bought out a synth under a grand like the the, the Juno or the JX3P and suddenly it, did, yeah, it broke the market man. open for people of my age and I'd been playing piano at school and I've got bored of piano and, and it came along at exactly the mm. right time suddenly I could I could stretch and I could just about afford this thing and that kicked off my my, my whole life you know yeah. and the, the other thing is and Jamie's 100% right you know that they're the attention to detail and the and the, the the classic classic designs, but it's Roland's obsession with with trying to make synths that sound like real instruments. Hence, you know the preset oh, names yeah. on some of their old synths. The the the, the, the I think the um, Jupiter Four's got preset like like real real noise yeah, sounds on there. Yeah. You know, my JX three P I think was the last one. It's got you know <laughs> a flute setting and a string one and a string two. <laughs> and and I've, I've mentioned this before. We we did some uh, recording of of sounds for I think the JV ten eighty series at the studio that I had. And, and the the guy behind Ron was absolutely obsessed with making electronic versions of real instruments. And and everything else was an accident. And it's only since he stepped down and <laughs> you know the the TB three hundred three was wow. a really strong attempt to make a thing that sounded like a bass guitar you know and and the jupiter 8 i think jupiter 8 has preset names on it doesn't it i think i, I, but, but um, I wonder because it's interesting wow. thinking about the, the bass guitar right okay at the time you think it sounds nothing like a bass guitar but when you think about what was going on perhaps in yeah. prog you know like stanley clark was using yeah. a lot of touch wire a lot of filtered kind of sounds on the bass. maybe that's actually yeah. really influential in what what they were trying to do that was and that's a possibility it was your um it, it was your rhythm set mainly you know if you were a guitarist and you didn't have a bass player and a drummer, you'd get a little dramatic 606 and a 90 and a 303, and that would be your rhythm section together. And it would be 400 quid, I think they were 199 each when they came out. Um, and that would be a little yeah. thing, you know, that's a service to musicians, alive musicians. And then suddenly, of course, you know, the, the way these things had been built, they just sounded amazing, but it was a complete 
sideways step, you know, and that's why, you know, when you read about, you know, it's only recently that they've gone back to the roots and done boutique releases and kind of capitalised on it. Everyone's saying, why don't you build another Jupiter 8? And it's like, well, why should we? It doesn't sound like a string section. You know, we're really happy with what we're doing. You know, with our 1080s and 28, you know, it's it, it's just just a beautiful story. And I don't think that's true of the other synthesizer mm. manufacturers who were the Moogs and the Profits. And they were, we're building electronic instruments. Well, you no, know? you say that, but you look in the Korg MS-20 manual and there are plenty of presets for clarinet, flute, oboe, all of those things. Yeah. By the way, thanks everybody for the uh, for the super stickers. They're coming in thick and fast. Oh, brilliant. That's very, very cool. Wow. I, 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 we're going to have, you when we the sound finally effect. do get together, we are going to have a drink. Uh, I, I, like the way you, I like the way it gives a description, Nick, when it comes up. So, like, yeah, well, I can't figure out a way. Says, to, I, I can't figure out a way for it to actually say. What does it say? It says uh, the sticker is lemon, lemon character, character and, and baby. baby lemon jumping on their way. Yeah, that's uh, robust. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, <laughs> I can't figure out a way to bring those in. It doesn't work. Now, Ran, uh, Rancy, um, Rancy actually hasn't been able to do that, but he's what Rancy's posted a uh, a super comment, which now I've got an entry in the spreadsheet. I can set it up as a data source and bring that in as well so i do beg your pardon it's just a question of uh, uh, logistics but thank you um yeah i, I just find, i find what do you think about that jamie do you think they were going for the sort of stanley clark yeah. touch wire kind of piccolo bass vibe on the uh, on the tb303 <laughs> it's an interesting angle i mean they probably were thinking like where i'll, I'll say that i'll going? say that no <laughs> no. I don't know. I think they're probably sort of saying like, I'll, I'll, I'll take this probably now. But I mean, uh, but I think they're probably thinking where could base go? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But another thing Look that you this. can't forget about this is like when they had the little small pieces, like six or six, three or three, very light. Anyone who's held one, you know, it's, it's like a toy. But you know, they link together and they sync together like yeah. so beautifully that, that you could kind of like think, oh, I've got this part of my collection. I could get this one. And they were yeah. smart to think like you could add these things together and like Volkers make a family. Before their time. Would, yeah, exactly. They were Volkers before their time. And that's a huge part of, you know, why yeah. Acid House and all that stuff even happened. It's because yeah, like really high, you're like, you're just out of your mind going, oh, shit. just make a quick pattern on these machines. It sounds magic. Like yeah. sometimes, I think some of the tracks, like Acid tracks, famously, it was just the pattern that was already in the 303. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. didn't yeah. even program it. I'm just going to say, but hey, man, it sounds out, good. Check out the um, the adverts. I'm sure they're around. When Roland adverts first came out, there's pictures literally of guitarists with those two in the backpack sitting practicing to them. Honestly, yeah. they were they're, the they're, may not have been what the designers made of them, but the marketing people were. <laughs> I don't know exactly, who's going to buy this? Wow, it's a fascinating yeah. subject. I, I mean, we do have a kind of. We've in recent weeks, I've been kind of ending the show with a kind of what have you been up to recently technologically? What have you discovered? Uh, what kind of thing have you found that you've been riffing on uh and i wonder i, I know um dom you started with because you were you were showing the uh yeah expert loopers or expert sleepers it's, so it's experts expert sleepers hang on can i do this Let yeah expert I... sleepers hello. so you hit a button one oh do it again hang on hello hello Hello. And then you can literally just play that. Like, this is back to the Beardy Man live thing. And I'm sure um, Jamie can do this standing on his head with, with different bits and pieces. But it is pretty amazing that there wasn't something that it's, it's called, called a crossfade loop synth. And I'm just trying to see where it's you... really funny that um, that Jamie mentioned at the beginning that there wasn't something around that did this. And it just occurred to me. There really isn't. If you want to do a live set with Ableton Live or with the, yeah. with the looper in the new looper in Logic, 
um, you just want to be able to shout something into the mic and then turn it into an instrument. So, Four, 43 yeah. English pounds. There we go. Yeah, it's really. I'm still running the demo. I think it's a 30 days demo, and you can you can sync it up. You can just turn that that one word into. Hello. Let's see if I can find a slightly better example. It's super cool, And then move the stuff. Loads and loads, and I'm not, not even touching the the filters, the LFOs, this pulse width mod. I've just got it hooked up to a little a little box here with some knobs on the front, exactly like um, we were saying earlier. And it's just for forty quid. It's just really, really. Useful. <laughs> um, yeah. He's a busy sort of, man yeah, and an expert sleepers. He's a busy yeah. man. Like his yeah. his modules. Yeah. Like, every other week, he's like, oh, I've just added a small yeah. update yeah, well, to it. It contains yeah, a new programular synthesizer. La, la, la. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> effects processors, didn't it? It got new effects algorithms. I, think, I mean, the Disting yeah. EX is like an absolute monster. I've got one of those things. I can barely keep up with the firmware updates. I feel like you just come mm. back and expect it to be some utility update, and he's literally added, you know, polyphonic engine for something. It's like <laughs> the guy is obviously a very smart man indeed. Yeah, yeah. So, to yeah. be fair, I didn't realise yeah. they did. Um, I didn't realise they did VSTs. To be honest, I got some modules and stuff, and it was like, what is this? Yeah, thing? and uh, I didn't just either. Really playable and it all came about because the other thing i was checking out was was the uh the new looper stuff semi new looper stuff in logic so logic released the update a while back now which mm. had ableton-esque live looping it's almost a direct copy of the session view in ableton oh, yeah, that's true. but Flex it's really stuff, neat yeah. it's oh, really right. really neat and um because i'm a bit more i've got ableton i've used them both i'm a bit more used to logic and it works with you know the push or no, not push um you know, all, the, all of the, the the stuff that the tactile stuff that works with Ableton, um, these kind of things. I forget what they they called this. Um, and it's really neat. And then this was a natural extension of that, wanting to just kind of shout something into a microphone and turn it into a bass sound or play around with it. And uh, yeah, I've been really happy the last couple nice. of days. So Super very good. Cool. I want that thing. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Yeah. What, what have you been uh, What have you been working on uh, right. uh, and, and, and enjoying recently? I've been enjoying looking at um, interesting ways of mixing on the fly um, in modular, no surprise. So at the minute, I'm just <laughs> sending things to mixers. Um, but what I've started doing is taking the inverted envelope, um, the either the audio, the audio envelope or even a trigger envelope, and uh, inverting that and, uh, and using that to m mix things. I'm not explaining this very well. Oh, so, so it creates a space a space around the thing that's already in the mix. It's it's automatic side chaining from one instrument to another. So if I've got my bass synth going and I've got a lead line going, I send that lead line envelope inverted to this and it turns it down when this goes up and and vice versa. So you're getting this always this nice mixing i mean you've, you've got to play around with it a little bit you can't just like but actually the thing is if you want one thing to be completely quiet if you want the bass to go you just open up that filter or something on your main lead line and you suddenly your bass goes down so you're sort of mixing with with just very little movements um but i'm also i've also been applying some uh, parallel compression there as well to get a more produced sound within within the modular which is what i'm i'm really focusing on this this suitcase beast here to be my my instrument and it's got it's really come on i wish i'd have been documenting this whole thing on my youtube channel or something over the years because 
every every week every month something else i'm finding out about how to either get that better produced sound whether it's mixing signal f- flow sequence sequencing techniques and just squeezing so much out of so little yeah well that's yeah. you know that's often the, the the way to go forward isn't it that's how we innovate what about you jamie have you been yeah. uh have you been riffing on yeah. anything recently well like i mentioned earlier this sankan i finally pulled out and it wasn't a disappointment it's uh it's a true I, i'm always looking for something that's truly new i mean i think we all are in a way aren't we? in some ways but uh we talk about these technical innovations over time and synths and stuff but the sankin when it offered this 100 kilohertz recording i thought is it what well, is, is it, it really so gonna do is something? it a digital mic am i kind of an, is it actually a no, no it's an analog Oh, yeah. right. okay. It's a microphone okay. without uh, without top limits on the on the frequency response. A very interesting right. mic, understand. real okay. sort of scientific um, mic, a bit similar to sort of like you might find like like Earthworks DPA. There's very high fidelity microphones. If you're using it just in a traditional capacity, it's just a very honest mic, for want of a better word. Obviously, it's got this extended high range, very extended, and it's also quite hard to find equipment that will pair with it because your traditional mic preamps sort of have a sort of a roll off essentially on the top. Why would you allow frequencies as high as 100 kilohertz to pass through? So essentially, you have to be careful about the equipment you're using. But I've just bought one of those sound devices, Mix Pre 2s, and they have 32 bit float recording and like the, I think the preamps go up to 80 kilohertz. So that's my newest combo that I'm excited to try. I haven't actually kicked that off yet, but I just got that before I came out on this trip over here. 32-bit float recording is totally crazy. Wow. Yeah. So what would you, what would you yeah, be using that for? Is that for, for sampling and, uh, or, or, for, or for recording your final master? You can master? record bats. Yeah, you can totally record. I think bats are a bit higher. The the Anabat recorder goes up to 300 kilos, I think. Uh, but yeah, but uh, yeah, oh, the Cicada Brood X is coming to America. I'll probably get some good like drum beats from the Cicada's wings. <laughs> I mean, it's things like that. It just allows you access to the unheard world i mean yeah. like anytime I'm, i i might be wrong about this but i think anytime like you make a noise like a noisy sound say like a snare drum something that's creating noise that goes up and up and you know and represents sort of um frequencies that go possibly beyond our audible range this microphone will yeah. catch them and you can look at them in rx and see what was there and like and obviously the, the joy of the mic does come when you pitch down 100 kilohertz and then all of a sudden it's down and then the top level of it becomes 20 kilohertz and it becomes yeah you know, part of the audible range so it's just a super cool thing i recorded salt in the last nitty on the on the podcast just grains of mold and salt just crunching them in my fingers and you slow it down and you can hear it looks like breaking glass on the sankin by the time it's slowed down enough, it's like little pieces of individual glass. I mean, it's totally incredible. It's this part of the fractal world, isn't it? We know that everything mirrors everything else somehow. So, but I discovered somehow salt is glass, which is a little bit disconcerting when you put it in your mouth. Wow. Well, I suppose it's crystal. Um, but I mean, there you go. Yeah. yeah, it's crystals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So anyway, well, that sounds... that's my current fascination. So yeah, basically, so. you're obsessively recording things to hear if there's a hidden message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say you've got to be careful with the gain staging, but that's a 32-bit recording. It's crazy. I don't, I, I've got to learn more about it, but it seems like it's very, very hard to clip the signal. Because I realise I've got all these fancy converters. I've got the Crane Song head, the la la la, but all of them are 24-bit converters. You can do 32-bit float conversion in the DAW, but can you record it a 32-bit float? As far as I'm aware, like this is one of the only recorders that allows you to do it. It's pretty damn cool. 
Is there anything in the world that plays it back apart from the sound device's device, or does it, does it actually? Oh transmit? yeah, you can play it back, all right. All right, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, okay. Interesting. But yeah, I, I mean, that's going to say I was just going to say that it shifts the aliasing point as well. So I wanted to try recording stuff at, at, in megahertz or, or, you know, just to yeah, see what right. happens exactly like this. If, yeah. you, if you're recording digitally, you can you can record up to half the, the, the bandwidth you're using. So 48K, you can record up to 24K. And anything above that 48 folds back over the point and you can hear it as aliasing noise. So if you chuck it up at 100K, the fold point is out of way out of hearing range so it, it really is justifiable i know that i mean there's loads of debate about whether you should be recording at 96k and 40k we should just do it because it's possible and see what happens and see what it sounds yeah. like it's, you know there's no reason not to this is just great really good although i will say it might, when my system is running at 192 and i've got a pretty legit yeah. system it is yeah. having a bloody nightmare it hates it it just yeah. goes crazy like i have to restart the computer it like get, makes the computer just hate me so i, I, yeah, I lasted that. about a week <laughs> <laughs> i lasted yeah, about a week doing it good. on my system but it'll get better it'll get better you know yeah, the will. idea of even it's recording at, you know 48k is it's just yeah. it, well, we should we definitely yeah. should we shouldn't limit ourselves to that kind of stuff it's got to be fair point well so there's a whole nother topic will we could get into involved well, there but I, I think i'm gonna have to, <laughs> to to bring things to a, a wrap i'm actually going to the theater tonight to see rana fines oh. in a one-man performance who I personally find incredibly tedious, but it might be interesting. There's no, <laughs> uh, I, and, and going to the theatre in this kind of environment is quite is quite challenging because you have to sit far away. You know, it's quite a weird experience. It's a bit strange, but it's, it's certainly a lot of fun. It feels like you're on the verge of a, of a heckle there, Nick. Imagine if I heckled. That would be. <laughs> I don't think that would be the done you thing. Do it, you could do it from behind a master, couldn't you? What are you talking about? Uh, the joy of the mask heckle. Wow, like, that's a thought. <laughs> Enjoy. I'll tell you how. It, I'll, sh I'll tell you how it goes. I don't think I've quite got. I know now. I, if it happens and there's a public outrage, people will be able to find out. You know where the source <laughs> of it. If they're clever enough, but well, I, I suspect they won't be looking great. on this podcast. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much for having us. Uh, do Thanks check out Jamie's me. stuff out, uh, Jamie Liddell Music. Uh, what's coming up now? Have you got anything kind of big big coming up your way? Massive. Massive. Okay. That's all I can Something say. to look out for. More podcasts <laughs> on the way, but lovely <laughs> to have you. Thank too, you so too much. Too big to fit on this screen. It's like way bigger. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. And also, Mr. Matt Hodson, are you uh, you you releasing today? What's what's happening in the the, oh, the release yeah, schedule? Yeah, I should get on with that. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm owing the world a release this month. So, yeah, I'm going to finish that off later on. Although I've just received these new filters, um, these MS-20 filters that got both a high pass and a low pass in them um and they distort and i've got to play with that and also this music thing modular mini drive uh, another little distortion unit so i'll probably end up spending a load of time playing with it <laughs> i need to get out more how does it how does that work just a quick question how does it work do you do you have a release point every month or do you just push it to the very last minute and then maybe you release the next month a week into the month or do you have do you, are you kind of bit more planned than that it's a good question some months some months i've actually ended up producing two or three pieces of music quite early on and i just sort of bank them if i want to Smart. and i can save them for later or i can think are they shall i bring them out this month or shall i save them shall i push myself now to produce something for this time so it depends how i'm feeling right now yeah i've got i've got something done um but i'm thinking 
I've got a few days left in this month. Maybe I'll just challenge myself to come up with something Fire new. Fire up, give it a just go. Keep putting that, I, that. Keep pushing those ideas out there, man. It's what it's all about. Just keep keep doing stuff. Absolutely, and obviously, people should check you out on uh, maths, maths, maths uh, on very you know, and maths on YouTube. All of your all of your stuff. I think there's a link there. What is thank that? Thank you. Saying? Oh yeah, Matt. Yeah, there we go. And also, yeah, um, yes, and also, Mister Dominic Hawkins. Thank you very much for joining us too. And, thank you. Uh, and. I, I, people should check out your Mr. Wiggly uh, incinerator plugin amongst any other things that you're doing for sure. Please do. And, um, and definitely check out Jamie's hanging out with audio files podcast. Cause I don't know if they, uh, that came across, but it's stunning and uh, yes, amazing. Very, very like about a hundred or 80 something of them. So if you haven't come across it, just uh, Google hanging out with audio files. It's an amazing podcast. Thanks, yes, I think Appreciate that's very, uh, very good words to end on. Um, so uh, that's it for this week. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Thanks to all our uh, 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 sticker and chat people. Uh, very much <laughs> yeah, appreciated. Yeah. And <laughs> all the people in the chat rooms, we will be spending that on beer when the time comes and we can all be in the same room it. together. Or, you know, a non-alcoholic beverages or snacks or whatever it may be. It will go to uh, totally ir irresponsible use. I can... Totally, I, I, can, I can verify that. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for watching. That was Sonic Talk episode uh, 670. Good Lord. See you next time. Bye-bye. See ya. Yeah, bye.